Talks Live, presented by the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court and Mazda of Everett. Now, here are former Seahawks Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer. Everything passing, 12th in rushing. This offense is executing at a super high level right now. Look at it, and it all starts with Geno Smith. I love what he's doing. He's efficient. Last game wasn't his most efficient. I think he completed around 65% of his passes, but he was still able to get in and out of the huddle, um, throw the football down the field. I think we saw the most explosive plays through the air last week. When you look at this offense, Big Ray, what do you see? What do you like? Uh, well, I like the, the variety and the diversity of what, what they're doing on offense. So last year we talked a lot, or the last couple of years we talked a lot about how it seemed like the run game and the passing game were on two separate tracks and they hadn't been kind of blended together or married together is my term. And uh, this year it seems more married together. So you see the variety in the run game that kind of mirrors the passing game. So the play action pass game, the run, the, the first two or three steps looks like a run play. It, g- it gives uh, um, Gino a chance to get outside the pocket where he has some space to throw the ball. And then the running game. The running game has been really, it started out slow. Penny wasn't getting as many carries as we'd like, but uh, it has picked up the last few weeks. Unfortunately, Penny is out right now, but uh, that's what I like. It seems like a very comprehensive uh, uh, offense that is kind of gelled and well together. On t- uh, and on top of that, the newness in the quarterback, even though he'd been around, he's, but he's a new starter. You have two rookie uh, tackles playing, and you have a new center. So to be able to bring all of that together and have that type of production with this offense is pretty cool. First off, I, I feel bad. I didn't give my guy the proper, like, <laughs> announcement right now. This is Big Ray, 10th round, 10th uh, pick, sorry, no 10th right. round, 10th pick in the, what, 90-what draft? 92. 92 draft. He was here with the Seahawks. He was there with the Detroit Lions, blocked for him, and he is uh, my partner when it comes to the pre-halftime and post-game show on the radio. So whenever I have offensive line are just any type of ideas, I always lean on Ray Roberts, man. And one thing, Ray, that I like, too, is that, DK and Tyler Lockett both shine last right. week. Tyler Lockett had two touchdowns. DK had one, probably should have had two. But I feel like the expansion of the uh, the pass game is a result of one getting the tight ends involved and having a strong run game. Yeah, well, I think the the cool thing about the offense too is that uh, you know they're they're using all the weapons. Last year it was like. One game it would be DK, yeah. the next game it was uh, Tyler, so it was like they're kind of loading up from game to game. But uh, Gino and Shane Waldron, to his credit, uh, Gino is executing an offense that's using everybody. I, I remember, I think it was four games into the season last year, the tight ends had 17 targets total. And this year, you can see that you know they all have touchdowns. They all get multiple targets each game. They have multiple catches each game. And so, and then the running game is going. And then you have a game where both Tyler and DK are shining in the same game. So that's just something you didn't see in the last couple right. of years. And so to be able to have um, Geno operating the offense that way and Shane kind of you know, organizing and, and calling plays that way is a good thing for the Seahawks. Now, the highlight has been the offense, right? We can all agree upon that. That offense has been firing on all cylinders. It looks good. Um, 
last week they weren't the greatest on third downs. I believe they were one for nine, but they were still able to create explosive plays. We got to talk about this defense. I understand <laughs> that, um, it, at least for me going into the season, I thought that the defense would carry the offense. Right. But it's the complete opposite. And I look at what the offense has, and in hindsight, it's usually 2020, unless we're talking about the uh, the Mariners and Robbie Ray <laughs> and all that stuff, right? But hindsight's 2020. I'm looking at this thing, and I'm like, all right, well, Geno's a veteran. You got two really good receivers. You got a tight end room. That looks good. Mm-hmm. The only question mark probably was on that offensive line. So now when I look at that defense, I'm thinking, all right, there's a new scheme. You got new coaches. You have rookies who are contributing right now. When you look at this defense, how do we get right? I mean, it's a broad question, yeah, but, but yeah. how do we get right? Well, it's not something they're going to be able to fix overnight, right? So they're going to have to chip away at it, and then in maybe two or three games we can decide, like, if they're getting better or not. But it, when I look at it, all those things you just said, you have a new scheme, you have some new players, we have new coaches, and I think uh, Bruce Irvin, they just signed this yep. week or yesterday. He's 35, right? 35 years 36. old. 36. I the, ain't playing football right now. <laughs> he hit the nail on the head when he said that he thought that the communication was an issue. And uh, when you think about all of that newness, new system, new players, yeah. new coaches, uh, man, it could it could be something that simple. And you may say, like, well, how hard it is to get people lined up. But there's a lot of different calls and checks and things that are going on on defense that you need to communicate and, and or be able to learn to communicate to a person to get the best out of right. them. That's part of communication, too. But uh, I think, you know, to be honest with you, too, though, I think there may be some players – that may not quite fit the system. You know, like, right. you know, like the if you look at Puna Ford, I think you know his his greatest skill is his quickness and his speed and leverage. Just getting after the getting after people. But yeah. now he's been asked to sit back and read and then react. Mm-hmm. And he's a little smaller guy, so you're playing against bigger dudes, taking on double teams. So it kind of makes him a little less effective. So you have to kind of take those things in consideration. But I think the communication and then just guys just really feeling comfortable and free in the defense is what's going to make the difference. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it, what's crazy about this this defense is that the plays, the bigger plays that are being made are being made by – Young, young guys, dudes. man. Yeah. You got Kobe Bryant, two weeks in a row of forced fumble. You got Tariq Woolen, three weeks in a row with an interception. So I know that you guys out there are panicking about this defense, as you should, right? They're getting up a lot of points, a lot of yards, but I want you to look deeper into what's going on and, and find some positives because going into the season, I doubt anyone here would say this is a playoff team. They're going to win 10 games. If you thought this team was going to win 10 games, raise your hand. Exactly, right? <laughs> so we got we got one in the back, young rich in the back. All right, but in reality, we thought like this is a team that is trying to figure out who they are and how to build. And when you see young guys making these plays consistently, that's what you should be focused on. I get we want to win games, but we got to find some positives somewhere, right? Yeah, I mean, you have to. And then even if you look at some of the other new guys on the team, like uh, Nuosu, I mean, I think he's only been in the league, what, four or five years? So yeah. He's still yeah. relatively a, a young dude, and he's out there you know, making an impact and making a play. Jordan Brooks is, what, his second year? Kobe, uh, Cody Barton, like, there's still a bunch of young dudes. You don't have right. to be a rookie to be young. So this defense is really young, to, to, if you really think about it. But the cool thing is that when the Seahawks of old, the Legion of Boom, all those dudes that were coming along, they were playing a bunch of young guys. And those guys, you had to take your lumps and your and your humps with them. And and so I, I think that that's kind of where they are. Like, But it wasn't a new system, but I think that's kind of where they are in the development of this of the players that are in the system. So we'll see how it goes. I think if they can get some handle on the run game, 
first. I think that'll help them a little bit because then they can pin their ears back and get after the quarterback. But they have to find a way to stop the run or other the teams are just going to keep doing it. All right, so let's talk about Shane Waldron, the offensive coordinator for the Seattle Seahawks. Last year, you got Russell Wilson future Hall of Fame quarterback, maybe. It, it feels like I know like recent history makes you think that he's not going to get in, but when you look at his resume, obviously this guy can play some good football. Um, last year, I felt like he was kind of handcuffed by Russell Wilson because you're you're dealing with a guy who's been there and who's done it, who has his own views right. on how he thinks this offense should roll. But this year, you got Geno Smith, a guy who has set for eight years, you know what I mean, who has learned from Russell, from Eli, from Phillip Rivers. And I, I feel like he's able to blossom and right. really be his true self. We know what it's like being a player and being able to be your true self. And I think that's what we're seeing offensively. And I love the, the variety. I love the shifts, the motions, again, the tight ends involved. The tight ends have been more involved this year than we've ever seen before. When you think of Shane Waldron as a play caller opposed to this year and last mm -hmm. year, what are your thoughts? What do you think? Well, I, I, I think like you think. I think he's been freed up to kind of call the game the way he the way he wants to call it. I remember, I think it was maybe the first game, and we're sitting there watching the game, and, and uh, it was like, we're like, man, there's no way they're going to be able to go in like a, a eight or nine play, 70 yard drive. And they were able to do that. And that has kind of been what they do. They go, they, they're able to dink and dunk when they need to. And then at, you know, second game of the season, they open up the playbook so that they can start taking shots down the field. Right. And it's not like taking shots to just take shots. You know, they're setting up the plays. They're, they're, you know, drawing in the defense, drawing in the coverage to then take shots over the, over the top. And then the cool thing about all of that is that Geno is playing within his ability. He's not trying to be Russell Wilson. He's not trying to be Lamar Jackson. He's not trying to be Tom Brady. He's just been, you know, he's just been Geno Smith. And as long as he stays in that lane and as long as Shane can make these adjustments as teams start to kind of zero in on what they like to do and take those things away, I think, you, I think you'll still see the same offense. All right. I like what I'm seeing so far. Hey, we got a great squad right here at Bellevue Square Center Court. When we return, we'll talk to Darren Urban from Cardinals.com. That is next right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, presented by the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on Seattle Sports Station. Hawks Live, presented by the Bellevue Collection right here on 710 ESPN. Every Thursday, we are here at Bellevue Square Center Court. We got a nice crowd in front of us. We got some usuals out here. We got some new ladies over there in the corner. All right, we got Interlake out here in the front. And right now, we are joined by Darren Urban from Cardinals.com. Darren, what's up, man? I'm doing good. How are you? We are good, man. Thanks for joining us. And, uh, you know, this is a division rivalry going on right now. And I look at the Cardinals, Darren, and I see a team that is potent, a team that could explode at any moment, moment offensively, defensively. When you guys look at the Seahawks, be honest with me, bro. What do you see? I see a team that's playing uh, much better offensively than I'm thinking everybody would have guessed at the time. Um, 
and I see a, a defense that's obviously struggling, and, and it's kind of funny because in a lot of ways it's the exact opposite of what the Cardinals are going through right now. Their defense, the Cardinals' defense, is actually playing pretty well right now, and their offense just has not been able to find any kind of consistency. So uh, it's going to be real interesting to see how these teams actually match up on the field and, and how, it, how it kind of filters out because, um, like I said, right now it seems like the strength of one team is, is facing the weakness of the other team, and, and what that means on the scoreboard will be, I'm curious to see. Hey, Darren, uh, speaking of your offense and, you know, this offseason there was a lot of talk going on with Kyler Murray and his social media page and then the contract and the clauses in the contract about studying film. Uh, from the, the small sample size you've had this year, have you seen growth in him from what you saw last year to this year? I have seen growth in him, um, and some of it is off-the-field type of stuff. I mean, I, I think right now they're not getting uh, – and, and this goes for offense across the board, but obviously it starts with the quarterback. I don't think they're getting the kind of play uh, consistently that they'd like to get, get from him. Now, what, why that is, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it's because they're starting slow and having to play from behind all the time, if it's because – uh, they're not being able to get enough explosive plays. I mean, right now this team has got one play of, of 30 yards this season, and that's just not going to get it done in today's NFL. So when it comes to Kyler, I mean, he's still a very effective quarterback, uh, and they'll get DeAndre Hopkins back next week. Um, but this offense was supposed to be better than it is right now, and they've got to figure out why it's been kind of sluggish. Darren, one, I want to make a statement because um – I love the black helmets. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> I love the black helmets. I don't know how they're received over there in Arizona. And two, um, I want to ask you about just the production of Marquise uh, Brown, man, Hollywood Brown. He's been doing this thing. He had a catch and run last week that was extremely impressive, something that you don't just do in the NFL unless you have the wiggle and the burners to do it. How do you feel about him and this receiving core in general? Um, well, let me start by saying I like the helmets, too. Uh, you know, they only wear them a couple times, but I do like the helmets. Um, I, I think, quite frankly, I think Hollywood has been uh, exactly what they were hoping for. Now, you know, the idea ultimately is for him to team with DeAndre Hopkins. So that changes some things not only for him, uh, but for Hopkins, and it'll make things tougher for defenses. Now, obviously, that's going to be a moot point this weekend because Hopkins isn't playing, but considering um, of who he's got around him and Hopkins is not playing, I think Hollywood's done a really nice job. It took a couple weeks uh, for everything to kind of come together, but uh, he's impressed me. He did have a drop last week that could have been a long touchdown, but for yeah. the most part, his hands have been really good. Um, he's made some catches in traffic that the reputation was he wouldn't, and he has. Uh, and he's been their most effective receiver. And he's one of the things that they can point to offensively that you've been really excited about. Hey, Darren, uh, on your defensive side, J.J. Watt uh, has four sacks in the, in the five games here. But uh, there was uh, a procedure that he went through last week before the game. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that was and then also just the impact of having him on the field? Well, he went through, it was, uh, it came out not before last week, but two weeks ago before they played Carolina, there was going to be, there was a leak that he had had an AFib situation where he essentially had to go under and have his heart shocked back into regular rhythm uh, in the middle of the week. Uh, that was on a Thursday, and then he ended up playing Sunday. And 
it had leaked out and uh, somebody was going to report on it Sunday morning. So he decided to tweet it and we talked about to him after the game. And he was emotional about just the whole situation. He's got a baby that's going to be born his first kid in the next couple weeks. And it was just a lot, a lot of him emotionally at the time. But all the doctors said what he was doing was uh, there was nothing wrong with it. He could go ahead and play. He wasn't risking anything. So he's played. And this team is better when J.J. Watt's on the field. I mean, uh, last week was one of the few times they've lost when he's been able to play. Um, he's not J.J. Watt of 2014, but he's still very effective. And uh, and their defensive line has played well. Zach Allen is their best defensive lineman. Their defense, considering a couple of the pieces they've lost in the offseason, has played really well lately. And, and again, that's why I'm very curious to see, okay, how does Zach Allen and J.J. Watt and cornerback Byron Murphy and, and Buda Baker, how do those guys stack up to how Geno Smith has been doing? We're talking to Darren Urban from Cardinals.com. My question to you is, man, this team has been successful on the road, has struggled at home. Why is that? And do they recognize that and think that they're going to come in and Lumen Field and just uh, do their thing? I assume that every team thinks that <laughs> they're just going to show up and play good ball. But what, what's the difference between home and away with this team? I, I'm sure they wish they knew um, because the home thing has been a, a become a real problem. Uh, in terms of how it's gone and, and the frustration of the fans. It's, it's funny because um, even before they started playing really well on the road, this team has done really well in Seattle over the last decade or so. For whatever reason, even when uh, the Cardinals weren't the best, they were able to find some ways. I mean, even last year, they didn't have Hopkins, and they didn't have Kyler Murray, and they were still able to win that game. So um, I don't know why there's a comfort level in, in Seattle, but they played pretty solid football. Um, but in terms of the of the bigger picture, I I can only guess that they feel uh, you know a little bit more us against the world on the road. But uh, if they could figure it out, they absolutely would have brought it home because they've lost eight row at home, and that's again that's been a sticking point. This week it's not as bad because you're playing a road game, but they know in the back of their heads Thursday night they got to come back home and everybody's going to be talking about it again. Hey Darren, uh, the Seahawks have three very capable, talented tight ends and uh, th that can really challenge your, your second-level defenders. And I assume that maybe Isaiah Simmons will, will get some of that coverage. How do you think uh, those matchups will, will fare with uh, Isaiah? Well, you know, Isaiah's had kind of an interesting season. He, he came out the first week. He was charged with trying to take on Travis Kelsey and the Chiefs, which is a tough first week for any team going against Patrick Mahomes, and he lit him up. And Isaiah Simmons didn't play well, lost uh, lost some t playing time until he kind of figured some things out. He's back to playing full-time. I think Isaiah's playing better. He's an athletic freak, and uh, he's got it in him to play very effectively, uh, and he's made some plays against Seattle in the past. But um, they're looking; they're still looking for consistency from him. And uh, I, I think he's a guy that's got to play well. Him and Zayvon Collins, a couple of first-round linebackers, they're the kind of guys that need to play well. I mean, ultimately, um, as, as good as Geno Smith has been, they want to make sure they stop Kenneth Walker this weekend. They want to make sure that the Seahawks are facing some third and longs. And, uh, and Isaiah Simmons is going to be a big part of that. He is Darren Urban from Cardinals.com. Man, we appreciate you taking time out of your day and hollering at us, man. No problem. Thanks for having me.
All right, D. All right. Hey, if you are not here, get here. If you are here, make sure you holler at my guy, Richie, over there. We got raffles going down. That's going to happen soon. But when we return, we're going to talk to Corner Artie Burns. That's next right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, presented by the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on Seattle Sports Station. Welcome back to Hawks Live, presented by Bellevue Collection. We're here every Thursday at 7 o'clock on Seattle Sports 710 at Bellevue Square Center Court. Now we are joined by Artie Burns, corner for the Seahawks. What up, Artie? How you, Artie, how you doing? What's up, man? I'm doing good, man. We good, man. Thanks for joining us on uh, your uh, your night off, I should say. Um, how's your body feeling, man? How's the mental feeling? What's your, your whole mind state right now, bro? Uh, man, you know, body feeling good. You know, mind feeling good. You know, um, looking forward to this weekend. Uh, get, this, uh, get this win. Hey, Artie, this is uh, Ray Roberts. Uh, you've, you've been in the league for six years, and so you've played a lot of football. And uh, and then coming here to Seattle with with this new system and things, and it hasn't quite gone how people have expected on defense. What what would you say as a veteran guy who's been around? Uh, what would you say is uh, you know maybe the the point at which they need to get better? What are some of the things they need to do? Uh, you know, it's still early. You know, um, everybody's still guys still figuring out how to play off each other. You know, it just all it all just depends on that time when they finally click. You know, and uh, Everybody's on one page and getting getting the job done. Excuse throughout the whole game. Hey, Artie, um, you and uh, Coach Desai are pretty close. Did that factor into your your decision making when it comes to uh, coming out here to the Northwest and, and joining the Seahawks? Uh, yeah, he was he was he was a part of it, you know uh, being familiar with uh, with his system, with his system and stuff like that and uh, uh, and then uh, uh, off season prior to this the the last one. Uh, Seattle reached out for me to come out here, and uh, you know I just chose Chicago because I already did one year out there. I did one year out there already, so you know I just chose. But this time, I, you know, I want to come out here to you know. Hey, Artie, what's um what's his football mind like? We keep hearing great things. I heard he was a professor at a college while he was at Chicago. If you could describe him when it comes to the the mental of the game, how would it be? Uh, you know, he, he's. You know he's very creative. You know with the, with the defense. You know he uh you know got ways for you know for for everybody to work off each other. You know uh he, all eleven players one. You know and uh, putting guys in the right place. You know to uh you know to make plays. You know from the front line to the back end. Yeah, uh, Artie. When you look at that defensive back room, uh, obviously the the two rookies and. Kobe Bryant and uh, Tariq Woolen are playing good football, but all of you guys in that room are ballers. Like, so what is right at this point? What is your role in that? And then, uh, what do you see in these two rookie uh, defensive backs? Uh, you know, uh, I just you know as a guy been in the league for you know, some years, you know, I just try to be a, a you know uh, uh, the best I can, best team that I can to those guys, you know. Uh, I was, you know, I had guys like Joe Hill and Mike Mitchell and William Gay when I was a younger, younger guy, you know, and they kind of like, you know, gave me, you know, tools, you know, as I, when I was a young guy to, to make it, make my way through, you know, through the years, you know, and I just, you know, try, try to be a great teammate, you know, like how they, how, they, how those guys were. 
But those two guys, they, they, you know, they make a lot of plays, and I see them, you know, having a, a, a good career. You know, they just keep keep doing what they're doing and, you know, standing in the playbook. Hey, Artie, I'm from California, and, you know, there's a, a few states who want to claim they, they produce the best football players. But I look at Florida, I can't even front, bro. <laughs> like, Florida <laughs> Florida puts them on, out. Man. Like, hey, I'm, I mean, I mean don't, you can't just, just stomp on Cali like that. But <laughs> what what is it about Florida that that allowed you guys to put these dudes out year in and year out? What is it? Man, it's just, you know, just the, you know, the competition, you know, the weather. You know, it just breed that. It just breed those athletes. You know, and uh, it's been going on for so many years. You know, and uh, you know, I'm just proud to be from you know where I'm from. You know, and be able to do what I can, what I can do. You know, and um, but you know, we're most definitely the best state in football. You know, show me state. All right, I'm gonna show some love for sure. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you you mentioned the weather because that humidity is something else, right? That that air is hugging you out there. Um, you out here in the Northwest now. Where it's it's a bit thinner, you know. what I'm saying it's a bit colder. Obviously, you spent some time in Chicago. How does that uh, affect your your play, or do you feel like it don't matter where you at? You are gonna line them up and knock them down? No, nah, it don't. It don't really matter. You know, uh, definitely been well. Most all of my career, I've been up north. You know, from Pittsburgh to Chicago. You know, and um, I'm just looking forward to you know the, the weather. The weather change right now is great, so I'm good right now. <laughs> hey, Artie, when, when you're not on the field, uh, what are some of the things that you do in your free time that's, that's not football-related? Uh, you know, I got, I got two younger boys, uh, AJ and Saint, eight and five. You know, I spend most of my time with them, you know. And, uh, you know, my wife, Ella, you know, and um, I got I have a mentor program, Miami Dream. You know, that's what I mostly do in the offseason, you know, spend time with, with some of the youth out there in uh, Miami that play sports and stuff like that. Um, and that's just about it, man. I'm all I'm all sports all the way, pretty much. <laughs> I feel it. You uh, you got your boys in sports right now. What they playing? Uh, so my old, but both of them playing football and uh, track. You know, my oldest boy, he uh, he doing pretty good in both of those. He plays for Air Academy out here. Uh, he that's a pretty uh familiar. Out of Seattle, is a, f- a familiar uh, team out here. Well, Bumpus would be the, the guy that, that knows all of all those teams, <laughs> but uh, but not uh, when you. What do you see that's different about you know like a lot of players come here or they start here and they leave and come back and they say, man, like this the organization is different, the way it's run is different. Pete Carroll is his his rhythm is different. Uh, what is it that is it is it really is that really true? And if if so, what is it that makes it different? Uh, it's true, you know, uh, the difference that I, I feel it is that uh, Pete do a good job of, like, uh, just, just making, just letting guys be him, you know, be you, you know, and, uh, and creating a good culture of, you know, positive vibes, you know. The first day I came, first meeting I had uh, with Seattle, the coaches in the back of the room was just going crazy, making noise, you know, just cheering on, you know. I'm like, what's going on? And then it just just catch on to you and you, you become a part of that energy and then that energy is just keep the building going you know it's just, it's just positive vibes throughout the whole building you know and then you know Pete take care take care, take good care of you guys you know uh, well health wise you know just a, a great spot you know from that too Hey, Artie, I, I look at this defense, and obviously you look at the numbers and you say, okay, they're giving up a lot of a lot of yards. But I look at the defense and I say, yeah, a lot of yards, but they're close to shutting a lot of this stuff down. Um, 
Do you feel the same way, and why do you feel that way? Because uh, he's a bunch of playmakers all the way across the board, you know. Uh, guys show they can make plays, you know. Uh, you know, we know we can make a lot of plays. And like I said, it's all about being consistent throughout the whole game. We'll be able to, you know, be the deep things that we know we could be. All right, Artie, Artie, man, we appreciate you uh, taking time out of your day. You guys uh, keep preparing and do your thing, man. Look forward to seeing you on a Sunday. And I most definitely appreciate it. Appreciate me on. All right, no problem. Come join us here at Hawks Live at Bellevue Square Center Court where you'll have a chance to win gift cards from the Bellevue Collections Dining District. Tonight they're giving away gift cards to Fago de Chow, Daniels, Boiler, Cypress Lunge, Wine, Wine and Bar, Cactus, Duke Seafood, and Thai Kitchen Pepper. All right. That's coming up next. Hey, we're going to go around the NFL. We're sitting here at Bellevue Square Center Court. I'm Michael Bombas. That's Ray Roberts. That's next right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live. Presented by the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on Seattle Sports Station. You are listening to Hawks Live presented by Bellevue Collection. The show starts at 7 every Thursday right here on Seattle Sports 710. We are at Bellevue Square Center Court. If you're not here, get here and join us. It's time for us to go around the NFL. Let's do it. And you know what? We're going to go around the NFL, Ray. And we're going to start with Ron Rivera and the Commanders. Now, we're talking about quarterback play and why some are better than the others. Here's what he had to say. Why do you think the teams in the division are farther ahead at this point? Quarterback. The truth is that this is a quarterback-driven league. And if you look at the teams that have been able to sustain success, they've been able to build it around a specific quarterback. Man, <laughs> is he calling this quarterback out now? Carson Wentz is over there. He had a decent year at Indy the year prior, mm-hmm. but now he's over there with the commanders, and he seems to be struggling a little bit. If you are, I'm going to put your, your, your head coach cap on right yeah. now. Would you call your quarterback out like that? And if you are doing that, what does that mean? Well, I think that's a tough, as a leader, unless you're, like, really trying to send a message, uh, you may be getting called out, like, uh, uh, you know, the position group or something. But quarterback is tough because it's usually just that one dude that's playing. Uh, and so he may have been trying to send a message. But from what I've seen and the way, I, and the way they've played, I can't say that Carson Wentz is the reason that they're losing. You know, their defense isn't playing well. It's not playing up to par. Uh, the offense, uh, you know, other than McLaren, they don't have any any other receivers that are kind of making plays. Uh, I think that's a tough thing to do. When I played in Detroit, uh, Bobby Ross called us out, like called different dudes out by name, <laughs> by name after a game, and it didn't go over well. Sometimes when you have a conversation with a player and be like, hey, like, you know, like I made, I don't know if you're going to tell them you're going to say things, but you, you have a tough conversation, so you kind of anticipate they might say something about yeah. the quarterback play or the offensive line play or whatever. But when it just kind of comes out like that, that's a tough one to, that's a tough one to take. That, that could, I know he apologized or he kind of backpedaled a little bit on it, but uh, that's going to be a tough one for Carson Wentz to overcome, I think. That's tough, and right now it's 12-7. to 7. The commanders are up. Carson Wentz is 12-22, 99 yards, <laughs> no touchdowns, no interceptions, but he also has three sacks. So now let's move on to Devontae Adams. If you saw the video of Devontae Adams here, raise your hand. All right, so we got some people who know what's going on. Devontae Adams, tough game for the Raiders. 
I could break down the play and what happened at the end of the game uh, more specifically, but I'm not going to do that. In the end of the day, he ran into Hunter Renfro, or Hunter Renfro ran into him, and they didn't complete the pass. He's walking into the tunnel. There is a photographer that crosses his face. He pushes him down on the ground, and now that guy is suing. That young man is suing, I should say. He's a college student. Um, what's your assessment of that whole situation? I, let me give you what I think first. I right. think that, one, I understand the emotion behind the moment, and no one is perfect, but um, he didn't deserve to get pushed. But I also think the guy that got pushed is okay. <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it, I don't know. It's a, it's a tough one, man, because uh, both, you know, that guy's you know, doing his job too. And, you know, maybe he's a rookie to the stadium and doesn't know to, you know, to stay out of the path of the players. And then I think a guy like uh, Devontae Adams or any guy that's running off the field, you got to be able to control your emotions a little bit. Like I was a dude that after a bad game, I, I mean, it, I've had to, I've taken a taxi home before and just told my wife, just go home. Cause I, <laughs> because I get in the car and you ask me a crazy question, I might jump out the car. Or something. I don't, because I just so, just upset. But, uh, and so you gotta be able to control that. Now the, the filing a, you know, a assault charge and stuff, uh, that's a little far. You know, I, I think, you know, Devontae Adams tried to apologize right away. Uh, and then, and then the guy filed charges, but that's kind of the culture of our, country now you know everyone's trying to either counsel somebody or get paid off someone and something like that so it's unfortunate that it happened but i don't know that it needed to elevate to the point that he was charged with any kind of assault yeah it's unfortunate and um it makes sense because like you said the world we live in right now like mm-hmm. people are going to look for an edge whenever they can right. get it so all right and now let's let's move on to the uh, the carolina panthers matt rule is gone He's had, what, several years to try to get it done. You bring over Baker Mayfield. He's not getting it done. It's unfortunate because a coach is fired because the quarterback, I guess that he wanted, isn't doing what he's supposed to do. But it makes sense. The coach is always the first one to go. But on the flip side, he's walking away with $40 million. He, he <laughs> right, might have sat right. in that office and been like, oh, man, this, this is unfortunate. I apologize, but he walks out that door and he's taking forty mil in his back pocket. Well, I'm originally from North Carolina, and so I grew up in Asheville, North Carolina, and uh, and so I I kind of try to watch that team, and I know what the coat, what the environment is like around that team. And uh, he came in, Matt Rule came in as this offensive dude, and the offense just has not done anything since he's been there, and so I think. Baker Mayfield is probably just the last straw on the pile that that made everything happen. And I'll be honest with you, I was a Baker Mayfield fan. Like yeah. I, I, the dude that figured it out on every level, and I figured it would take him a little bit, but he'd figured out on this level. And he just just hasn't done it. He's just not that dude. And so then that was just the the uh, I guess the, the straw that broke the camel's back. You know, is that because being back there, like I went back there even when at the end of um, of uh, shoot, what's the quarterback used to be there? Uh, Sam Darnold? No. Where? At Carolina. Cam. Cam Newton. Sorry, I don't know how I forgot that. <laughs> Went back there, and he wasn't even playing. And, and, and that dude, people can say what they want to say about him, but he had galvanized that whole region. So right. parts of North Carolina, parts of South Carolina. And when you go back there now, uh, it's, it's, it's just so much. It's like the little Charlie Brown character that has a cloud walking over him. That's how the Panthers organization feels right now. It does feel that way. And what's unfortunate, too, is they have one of the most versatile players in the game yeah. on when that roster. And when he's healthy, right? And we all know the running back position, it ain't for long. Right. Like you're, if you are a an elite running back, you got maybe five, six years in this league. The best ones go about eight to ten years. Uh, it's hard to see. 
So let's talk about these records in the NFL, man. I look at the Philadelphia Eagles, and I don't know what to think. They barely beat the Arizona Cardinals last week, but they are undefeated. Right. When you look at that team, I see Jalen Hurts. I see A.J. Brown. I see Devontae Smith. I, I see Miles Sanders. I look at this team, and I say, all right, this is a complete team. Defensively, they're top five. Offensively, they're top five. They cause a lot of turnovers. What are your thoughts on, on the Philadelphia Eagles? Well, the thing to me, I think if you just look at their rosters, probably one of the better rosters just from a personnel uh-huh. point of view in the entire league. And I think they play very good complementary football. The defense uh, has been good for years, and it's just been a while for the, for the offense to catch up. And then Jalen Hurts was always like, man, is he going to be that missing piece? Is he going to be able to elevate his game to a place that can complement those other pieces that you just named on offense? And to, I don't know, maybe to a lot of people's surprise, but maybe not his, just because he's kind of a dude that kind of gets in and grinds and does what he has to do. Uh, I think they're a very solid football team. They're obviously not going to go undefeated or whatever, but I think they're a team to be content to, to contend with. Yeah, they may have squeaked one by on Arizona, but man, that happens. You're not going to you know, beat everybody by right. 14 points. And but I, the the thing that I like is their foundation is firm, right? They have a good offensive line. They have a good front seven. They can get after the quarterback with just four dudes. Mm-hmm. So then they can play you know, more guys in coverage. And Dar- uh, Slay is a, a very good man-to-man cover guy. So uh, I, I think it's a very very solid team. Now, would they, are they? Would I pick them to win the Super Bowl? I don't know, but I think they can get. They can make it really interesting down the stretch. What's crazy about the NFC East? You got Philly five and zero, Cowboys four and one, the Giants four and one, and then you got the Commanders at one and four. That's the most suspect division I've ever yeah. seen with teams that are doing well. You're still waiting on to see if Dak Prescott comes back. You're still waiting on to see if Danny Dimes continues his thing over there with the Giants. But let's go over to the NFC West. This is a an interesting division in itself. Everyone's two and three. Rams, Cardinals, Seahawks, except for the 49ers with the best defense in the league. They're at three and two. It's bad as this defense has played for the Seattle Seahawks. They are still in the mix. They get a win this weekend. They can bump up to number two in the NFC West. Yeah, you know when you when you start uh, in the in NCAA basketball and, they, and the tournament starts and they go like, oh man, this is this one team coming into the, to the tournament nobody wants to play? Yeah. I think if Seattle's defense even improves four or five spots from where they are, they become that team. Right. Because no one expected that out of them. No one expected this offense to work the way it has worked with a, 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 a like a career backup, basically, and Geno Smith, two rookie tackles, an uh, undersized center, you know, a, a running back that, uh, that coming into the season that had maybe just shown, you know, shown himself for the last five games last year. All this new defensive players and dis- personnel and change. If the defense can improve their spot, four or five spots, they become one of those teams that you do not want to play. And even if even if they're not in a position to get to the playoffs, if you're a, a playoff team that needs that win, it's going to be a tough out. Spoiler. Absolutely. That's, that's what yeah. the, this team is right now. And I look at this division, and it makes sense that the Niners are up top because they have the best defense. You look at the Los Angeles Rams. Stafford's going to turn the ball over if you put any type of pressure on him. You don't know what you're going to get out of the Arizona Cardinals. Then you look at the Seahawks, you're like, okay, if you get into a shootout, you have a chance to win. When I look at this division, it's the most up in the air that I feel like it's been in a, right. in a long time. Be- because going into the season, you're thinking, okay, all right, 49ers, all right, the Rams. But um, 
It's still up for grabs right now, Ray. Yeah, it is. And and I, I have a feeling that the 49ers were kind of raised to the top. The Rams look like they're just in – their offense is just in disarray. The offensive line isn't very good. Uh, uh, and Stafford is throwing the ball all over the place and getting sacked. And So I, I'm not really sure they're going to come out of that. But there's something about the 49ers that make me feel like they're going to kind of find their balance and then kind of rise to the top. And then the Seahawks will have a chance, if the defense is better, to kind of have that rivalry going again for the top of the division. Well, you know what? Football is all about balance. Life is all about balance. It's all about balance. Okay. When we return, we're going to talk to Ken Walker right here in person. That's next right here on Hawks Live.